It's the clash of the table toppers in the Premier League this weekend. OTB Sports Radio, the only place to hear live and exclusive radio commentary of Manchester City versus Liverpool on Sunday. You're very welcome along to League of Ireland late night on this Friday night. It's Nathan Murphy with you, Shane Keegan and Johnny Ward on the line as well. Evening, Shane. Unmute yourself, Shane. Unmute yourself. That that well, you know, I'm normally the one giving out to people for muting themselves, aren't they, when they try and talk? Apologies. You for that. are. You, Nathan? No, it's fine. I'm very well. I'm very well. Uh, and Johnny Ward, it's the moment we've all waited for. He's back on the 16 bus. Can you hear me, Nathan? We can. Oh, oh he's not sure about the clientele on the 16 tonight, is he? No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's great. Whispering, whispering Johnny Ward. It's the, uh, I got a bus straight away. They kept all the, the Rovers fans a little bit later, so there's hardly anyone on the bus. Uh, so, yeah, perfect, perfect. Perfect. Well, you're sounding loud and clear for once. This is... League of Ireland late night, as always, we're with you every single Friday night throughout the League of Ireland season, 10 o'clock. And this is the show that's all about you. We want your calls, we want your opinions, we want your hot takes on what you've seen in the League of Ireland tonight or so far this season. If you've got opinions on your club, do let us know. All you've got to do is click on the request button on the bottom left-hand corner and we'll get you on as soon as we can over the next hour or so. If you can come on, if you're driving or... Well, maybe not if you're driving to use the hashtag, but if uh, you don't want to come on and you're a little bit nervous, don't be nervous. Don't come on. It'll be fine. Uh, you can use the hashtag LOI late night and we'll get to you. Uh, there's only three games in the Premier Division tonight, but there is a lot to talk about. Aaron Green in the last minute scoring a winner for Shamrock Rovers at Shelburne to give Rovers a 2-1 victory. Huge goal with Derry. Six points clear at the top and Derry now playing until tomorrow. Uh, finished scoreless in the televised game. Pats against Dundalk. It was a decent match in the Stephen O'Donnell derby uh, with without any great quality, you'd have to say. And Drogheda scored a couple of minutes from time for a one-all draw against Bohemian. So they are the scores in the Premier Division tonight, while in the First Division tonight, uh, Waterford, 4-0 winners away at Cove Ramblers. And a scoreless draw between Bray and Treaty United. So... Do click that button down the bottom left-hand corner and get your requests in. Johnny's on the 16 because he's on the way back from Talca Park, having watched Shamrock Rovers. Get that late, late victory, Johnny. For anyone who didn't see the game, was it a deserved win for the champions? It was. It was uh, It was a cracking, cracking old-school Dublin derby. Uh, Nathan played in cold conditions. I have to say, I think if Shamrock Rovers win the title, um, and I know it's very early, just finishing the first quarter games, I think this is a big, big win for them because... There were aspects of tonight that were extremely encouraging. The first half, I mean, the first hour in general, they should have been they should have been at least 2-0 up. And Shells had one good chance the first half. But they were chasing shadows. Richie Towell, brilliant, brilliant uh, first half, as well as Andy Lyons. Um, and then just all of a sudden, Damien Duff made a change. He took off Jordan McInniff, who was very, very poor, actually. didn't have a good game um, and was at fault for the first goal in terms of losing the ball. Took off him and Connor Kane. And Connor Kane didn't have a great game either, but he moved. Ledwidge to left back to left wing back and Ledwidge straight away set up Shane Farrell for uh, the equaliser and then it was kind of a bit to and fro the the ground was absolutely rocking Jack Byrne came off with like I'd say about 15 minutes to go which was interesting he was fairly quiet has he played but, a full know, 90 yet I'm not sure he has actually I, I don't maybe it is a fitness thing but he was he was kind of on the periphery of the game Nathan tonight he wasn't um like he nearly scored and he, he set up a couple of nice things but he was kind of on the periphery. I thought Gary O'Neill was absolutely outstanding for Rovers. 
But the, the one thing I will say, Nathan, there's, there's something about them at the back that just does not convince me at all. Uh, Pico Lopez wasn't playing tonight. Um, obviously, Joey O'Brien is gone and he was in the dugout for shells, but the, they just didn't look secure. The goal they gave away was poor, but at the same time, they emptied the bench. Shane has spoken about it many times. And Aaron Green, who I, I thought had probably have moved on this, this season to someone else, he's the most baffling player in many respects in Eve Ireland because he's an amazing strike of the ball at times, yet his conversion rate is terrible. This goal was outside the box, not quite top corner, but a brilliant, brilliant finish, set up by another substitute in Danny Mandroyu. And I'm just thinking, Nathan, if they hadn't won today in Finn Harps and, and Ferry had won tomorrow in Finn Harps, like, I think you're talking eight points at that stage, which would have been, you know, it's, it's quite a lot at this stage of the season. And was it's it's just um, a big, big three points for Rovers, who were very, very good at times, but some issues do remain there. You know, it's probably only City, really, that we see doing that kind of thing where the, the wing-backs actually come in the field rather than going out the field, or full-backs in City's case. But he comes, like, he comes straight across the field, and he finishes from an inside right position, even though he's playing wide left. It's it's a brilliant run because it makes it impossible for the Bowes man to track, or sorry, the Shells man to, to track him. And it's it's a brilliant, brilliant run and a, and a brilliant goal. And, uh, he, he's in some on, form. On that, Shane, uh, Andy Lyons like, could have had he two other chances tonight. The second half, he glanced ahead or wide that he, he should have done better with. But in the middle of that, um, it was the best move of the game, and like one of the best moves I've seen uh, um, in the League of Ireland game in a while, where I'd say five or six of the Rovers team just passed the ball around and shells were legless in the middle of the pitch. It opened up for Richie Towell and he played this delicious little dink over for Andy Lyons, who to me it was an easier chance than the one he actually scored, but he kind of pulled it wide and it was an amazing move. And I, if you were to tell me that Andy Lyons would be scoring goals from left wing back for overs and playing the way he is, I'd be amazed. And it was, it was, it was intriguing as well, Shane, because at times Andy Lyons and Ronan Finn were almost like wide strikers. They were that high up the pitch. And that was obviously a pointy thing as well. There's a strong argument to be made that Andy Lyons has been Rovers' best player so far this season. Yeah. And, um, oh, he, he, sorry, Shane, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, oh, look, Nathan, he's been, he's been absolutely brilliant. He really, really has. He gives them such a such an attacking dimension. It's it's like, for all the world, it's kind of, you know, it's Trent Alexander. Well, it's more Joe Cancelo, though, is this? It's more Joe Cancelo. Joe Cancelo. That's exactly what yeah. I thought. And listen, here, let's not lose the run of ourselves completely. But when I saw that goal as well, it is exactly that run on the inside where a wing back is popping up in a position you'd yeah. never expect to see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not, look, he's, and, and it's not like, it's not like, you know the way sometimes with fellas like that, you're saying, ah, yeah, but he's defensively suspect. I mean, I, I haven't seen him being caught out defensively either at any stage so far this season, really, to be honest. He's, he's just a player in absolute top, top, top form. And, um, yeah, Bose must be absolutely, <laughs> absolutely grinding oh, their teeth. Watching what's going on there at the moment because they, 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 like if ever I don't know what his contract situation is or how well tied down Rovers have him but you would think if an English club was coming in for Andy Lyons at the moment Rovers would have to be in a strong position to get serious transfer fee. Mm. This is League of Ireland late night. It's Nathan Murphy, Shane Keegan, and Johnny Ward with you. But it's not about us; it's about you. We want your calls. Get your requests in. The bottom left, just click the button. We already have callers lined up. We're going to get them. And we're also going to get to the scandal of the night in the Stephen O'Donnell derby, where footage is emerging of Stephen O'Donnell. It looks as though he's refusing to shake hands. Have Who was he refusing to shake hands with? I, you just sent it to me, it's, so I had a quick it's, look. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very pointed, this, I think. It's uh, Alan Matthews. And he, mm. yeah, to me, to me, it looks tall for all the money that 
he pulls his hand away. Um, it didn't sound like the best game in the world. Maybe it was the highlight of the night, but this has to be seen. It was really, really pointed. He didn't want to shake his hand. All right, let's get to our first caller. Keen is on the line. Evening, Keen. Good evening, lads. How are you? Welcome to League of Ireland Late Night. What do you got to say for yourself? Yeah, just in the car here, um, just about to leave home um, from the Pats game. Is a Dundalk fan, so um, interesting game to say the least, for obvious reasons. Uh, a good game. <laughs> um, good game. Uh, as nil nils go, it wasn't the worst. Um, from a Dundalk point of view, probably not defended well in patches, but same old problem been having the last few weeks. Service to Hoban's just completely lacking at the moment. What are you putting that down to? Is that just is that Bradley and Benson in midfield just not creative um, enough? Yeah, yeah, well, it's in terms of so Bradley on the wing. Obviously, he was carrying so much of the attacking burden at the start, and I think it was unrealistic from to that we'd expect him to you know keep going without having a bad game or two. And just he's been incredible, obviously, but just tonight and then against UCD as well, he couldn't really get into the game. Um, we Paul Doyle, we tried in midfield nearly experimental given on the start in such a big game completely backfired came off at half time was very poor um, Dan Kelly again we said last week he had good moments but that was probably his worst performance I've seen from him in a long time he, little impact um, on the game as well so Benson and Sloggett obviously were industrious but again it's literally just, just no um, there's no one from midfield pressing forward, and we were, you know, Hoban's been forced to do so much running again that it's, um, it's not looking good at the moment, attacking wise anyway. Keen, it, it, it's a big point, but like for my money, the, the like the reason he earned the point is it was Shepherd. Um, like I saw, saw a save he made a couple of weeks ago that went fairly viral. It was an absolutely outstanding save, and to me, again tonight, he's he's been the main reason that you've got it. Has he like has he been consistently that good? What what have you made of him so far? Would you agree that he was he was the difference in terms of of getting you something from tonight's game? Oh, like it's absolutely tonight. You'll, you'll see yourselves as when you see the replay. He made two incredible saves, um, both from uh, Owen Doyle headers. Like the first one, especially, I don't know how, like, because his body was, momentum was bringing him the other way. Um, and he's somehow got across. And the second one's with like point blank as well. So, like, two unbelievable saves. And yeah, he had a tough start. Um, the, you know, it didn't seem like the fans were completely convinced the first couple of games. But yeah, he's been really good the last few games. So, Especially tonight, he definitely kept us in it um, from a Dundalk perspective. Shane, I'm only going to give you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm only going to give you the uh, coach. Maybe we'll just have a coach corner, and you get one answer <laughs> as uh, coach Shane Keegan, so that myself and Johnny can feel a part of this. But so Dundalk have drawn six of their nine games so far. They've scored ten goals in nine games, conceded six. Shamrock Rovers are the top scorers in the division. They've got fifteen goals in nine games. It, 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 it hasn't really come alive so far. Like it, there hasn't been too much free-flowing football. There's a lot of very strong, solid defences. You look at the top six, none of them have conceded into double figures, even though we're nine games into the season. Like, is, there, is there a reason behind that? Well, I suppose the two teams you've quoted there are, are Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers. And for me, Nathan, all it is there is how far both of those managers are into their journeys at their clubs. Like, 
any new manager worth their salt comes in the vast majority of, of the time that you put in, in in pre-season. If it's your first year at the club, the vast majority of the time you're going to put in in pre-season is around defensive structures and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, like, Stevie is still very, very much finding his way at Dundalk. So that's where his focus would have been. And to be fair, they've looked reasonably good. Now, as I say, they needed the help of their keeper there tonight for that clean sheet. But... You know, they're they're reasonably well structured in that side of things. Like again, I think it'll be the second half of the season before he's able to develop a proper kind of attacking game plan. Like Ro- <coughs> Rovers banging in Shamrock Rovers are 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 far far more advanced in terms of their development under their manager. So obviously they're playing playing better football, but. Um, yeah, look, and, and the other thing to throw in in terms of the overall goal scoring, Nathan, is we just don't have very many free scoring centre forwards in the league. We haven't had since Sean Maguire left, really. I mean, you know, who's and without going into a real deep dive, we touched on Pat Hoobin obviously last week, he's yeah. probably still the standout. Uh, we give an awful lot of credit to coaching at underage levels and youth academies and development squads. Are we coaching strikers how to score goals? Don't know if we are. I don't know if we are. I don't think there is enough of it going on, Nathan. To be honest with you, I think you're 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 probably right there. Um, you know, we have we have put a lot of emphasis into developing the kind of player that we didn't have, which was that technical midfielder who's comfortable on the ball. Um, and now, to be fair, we are starting to produce them, and we've taken our eye off off of a different area of the field. Um, look, you're not going to produce you're not going to produce a Robbie Keane too often, so you're mm. not. But at the moment, I don't see a huge amount of 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 even at underage level a huge amount of forwards. I suppose John Kenny is is probably the one. Um, if you're looking over the last few years, who looks like a, a, a real, real live wire natural goal scorer? But then, how do you how do you coach somebody to be yeah. a natural goal how scorer? How do you? Well, you, you this, now, this is uh, because I think back to Jeez, uh, <laughs> I'm really going off on a tangent now. But uh, Johnny Maguire, maybe. Look, well. looking looking to Gaelic football. Mm. I was talking to Andy Moore, and he was on about David Clifford and the genius of Clifford. And he was saying in Mayo, if a David Clifford had appeared in Mayo, that there'd be almost a distrust of him. That you know mm. somebody who just now Clifford has it all, but somebody who just rocks up and has it all and kicks wonderful points and not, not he's a showboater, but it's just such a flair player. There'd be a distrust of that. Do we have a distrust in this country of young players who just score goals? Yeah, maybe that is the case, and I just maybe I think we're just not doing enough coaching of it. When I was at um, when I was at Galway, Nathan, right, we would have had we would have had Ronan Murray, who was was fantastic for us that season, right. But not alone did he was he super for us on the pitch, right. But he, he came. I remember him coming to me after a session, and he started talking to me about about Podge Par, Cunningham. And he says to me, oh, he's such a good player. He, he has all the raw attributes. He just doesn't understand the movement of a forward. And I and I, I threw it back at Ronan and I said, well, listen, how about the two of us work together and you talk to you talk to Podge about the kind of movements you would naturally make in certain circumstances. And we just brought one or two crossers with us. We brought one defender with us. And, and we threw Ronan in saying, Podge, this is where you're running. This is where you actually need to be running. That kind of deep dive into the proper actual movements of a centre forward. And I don't know if we're I don't know if we're doing enough of that. I, I wouldn't have done a huge amount of that outside of that example. And I don't know if, if too many other coaches are doing that either, you know. Am I missing something here, Johnny? I'm not sure it worked anyway, because I think Pori Cunningham scored about three goals. <laughs> that was about three years ago. Um, well, Johnny, yeah, when you were I'll... sunning yourself last Friday night in the south of France on the Comers Cash, uh, we got the real insight into what a pain in the hole you were for Shane Keegan when he was trying to manage Goal United. 
Uh, well, in, in relation to what now exactly? Just, just, just the <laughs> totally unnecessary criticism you were giving of his yeah, wonderful was, style of football. I was, well, uh, we were great to watch. For me, nearly the last time we were actually good to watch the football team was back then, but unfortunately we got relegated and uh, we haven't, we haven't, it was just, it was one of them things. We started the season badly, Shane, and, um, you know, it was, it's, it's a really what might have been that season because we played some lovely football. Unfortunately, we sold Lee Grace and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not wrong. Look, I, I, I'd, I'd be here for a half an hour laying out on me. My, my Jesus, he'd be in tears by the end of, of this. That's it. I need <laughs> counselling. Uh, Keen, uh, like six draws from nine games. It like it is a very new manager start to the season where Stephen O'Donnell probably doesn't take too many risks. I'd imagine as well. He's just so glad to have tonight over uh, live on television. There'll be, I'm sure, a bit of controversy about the lack of a handshake with Alan Matthews. Like they are fourth, despite only winning two of their first nine games, is is fourth a position you'd be satisfied with at the end of the season? Oh, absolutely! Like if European football, if you're offered that bef- even before the season started, now especially, um, I think. And some of them draws, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't think it's a case of where it occurs where you know you think we we're unlucky to get some of them draws. I actually think we were fortunate in some of the games. You can probably argue tonight we were fortunate. Um, to get the draw, and I'm, you know, as well from a Dundalk perspective, I'm just delighted um, that Chris Forrester wasn't playing tonight. I don't know was he injured or what. He wasn't involved in the squad, but I think someone like him would have been perfect for Pats tonight. So I think the game could have went a wee bit different if he was playing in midfield. All right, Keen. Thanks a lot for the call, as always, on League of Ireland late night. Thanks very much, lads. So if you want to get involved, just click on the request button. It's down the bottom left-hand corner. And as always, if you miss the start of the show, the full thing will be up as a podcast uh, by lunchtime tomorrow. Let's go to our next caller. Michal Ofwe is with us. Michal, good evening. Steve Vads, how's it going? Shamrock Rovers fan, if I remember correctly. No, God, oh, no. God damn it. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. So it's complicated. Shelburne fan living in Tala, next door to Tala Stadium. So I go to Tala. Ah, there we go. There we go. I knew <laughs> uh, there was a Shamrock Rovers connection yeah, somewhere. It's complicated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was in Tolga tonight. Uh, it was a great atmosphere, actually. Um, first time seeing shells. Um, I was actually very worried at half time that it was going to be. Uh, it probably should have been three or four at half time. Anyway, um, I thought Rovers were very, very good for the first kind of fifty minutes, fifty-five minutes. Uh, and I've thought this for probably since the start of the season and I've kind of been afraid to say it but I think they just look better when it's just one of Jack Byrne and Danny Mandreo I feel like they just get in the way of each other that's what I've seen now I could he's my uh, refresh to be fair only, only one of them really played tonight but Mike, like Jack Byrne was off when Danny came on yeah no that's what I'm saying <clears throat> that's mm. I, I, th- I feel like they were so good because Okay. It was it was only one of them on at either stage. So, like I know Jack didn't have a great game, really. As you say, he was on the periphery. But anytime he did get it, you know, he didn't have Danny kind of five yards to the right of him looking for the same pass. You know, I feel like they're they're both trying to look for that little dink ball, the little assist, trying to link play up. And um, I thought that was the best rovers, as far as kind of the Sligo, the last half an hour of Sligo. Uh, they were very good there, but I thought that was the best Rovers look for the longest time this season. Did it surprise you where Jack was kind of picking up the ball? Because it was, as as I said, as you said, there's the periphery. Like he wasn't, um, he was far from central, put it that way. 
Yeah, I think that was also down to the way shells had set up as well. Um, mm. Like, there was so much space in the Shelburne midfield, especially, in, as you say, in the first kind of 50 minutes, hour. Um, and it was quite worrying at times. Like, the gap between the back four and the midfield was was almost alarming, especially in that first half, as you said. Like, Tell picking it up, Tell was excellent. Uh, he was right in front of us that first half and um, probably his best game this season. But uh, just the gap between the, the back five and... Uh, Dervin and Coyle was just was was quite alarming, and they picked. You probably noticed yourself, Johnny. There were so many times that Shamrock had the ball at the edge of the box with no press, no just just kind of did whatever they want with it, and they got in a fair few times uh, that way. But I just I don't know. I thought Rovers anytime Rovers look well or look good, they, it's because well I could be correct, I could be wrong here, but it feels like it's only when either one of Jack or Mandreo play. Um, I don't know what the lads think about that but it just feels like that's what it felt since the start of the season they feel like they kind of get each other trying to do the same thing almost so in terms of what they did tonight then for anyone who didn't see the game uh, Pico Lopez wasn't in the squad I presume he was injured so Sean Gannon came in I, there was no Dylan Watts Richie Towell played as you say Mandreu was on the bench so Rory Gaffney and Graham Burke played was it was it the three at the back with Gannon on the right of a back three yeah, 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 exactly. and, um, and Finn and Lyons as the wing backs. Yeah, yeah, and and I couldn't, especially in the first half, the amount of times Lee Grace was overlapping as well. Now again, that was down to the amount of space that Shelburne were offering up in in their own half. Um, there was three or four times in front of me that Lee Grace was actually getting around Richie Towell, who was out on the left wing back position because Lyons had gone gone in beside Rory Gaffney. It was really good to watch in terms of like a tactical thing but uh, when you're from a shell's point of view you'd be, it was it was uh, kind of all hands to the pump trying to keep them out and what, shape, and what shape were shells then? shells were 5-4-1 were they? it was uh, no it was they were more 5-3-2 yeah, yeah yeah it was more kind of um, like it was more 10 basically just 10 players behind the ball or 10 you know they were very they just I'm, I'm exaggerating they just as, as Michael said they just couldn't they couldn't in the first half they were absolutely chasing shadows hmm Chasing shadows, but still only found themselves one nil down. So, like, did Rovers miss a lot of chances, or did Shells, well? Like, yeah, you, you can, you can, you can, you can have, you can have feck all of the ball, but your game plan can be to have feck all of the ball. So, would, would Shells have been happy enough at halftime, even though they were? They'd have been happy to be one nil down, but conscious of the fact that it should have been about three uh, at that stage. Jack okay, Byrne that's what shot, I'm It should have been. Yeah, stage, yeah, it should have been. They were, they were totally, totally outclassed, and it was like. The best, I'd say, as Michael said, is the best we've seen from Rovers this season. But at one little Shane, obviously, you're, you know, you have a chance, you're hanging on in there. And they, just those defensive frailties did surface, probably to do with Pico not playing. Uh, the point that's been made there, Shane, then by Michal about Danny Mandreu and, and Jack Byrne. Uh, so Rory Gaffney will always be the, the number nine. Is it that Burke plays in a far more advanced role than Mandreu, so therefore Jack Byrne could be the natural number 10? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like when you go with when you go with Jack and Danny. So let's say you're playing that three four two one short formation. Um, to be fair, Michal is bang on. When you go with Jack and Danny, their skill set is almost identical. Like they both want to do almost the exact same thing. Um, whereas 
in other words, they both kind of gravitate towards the play. Whereas Graham Burke, even though he again is a 10, he is a 10 who will gravitate more towards the nine and gravitate out into wide areas. He just, his interpretation of how to play that role is very, very different to the two boys. So I can see why the balance would be better there with one of the two lads and, and him. They have, by the way, at times gone with all three. They have gone with Jack mm. and, and Danny as the two and Graham as as playing as as the furthest one forward. Again, it's just it's an embarrassment to riches. Like it really, really is. Again, not to keep harping on about it, but I mean you bring on you bring on um Danny Mandreo and, and, and Aaron Green, like and, and is Dylan it a surprise Watts. to anybody and Taylor Watts, but like is it a surprise to anybody that they're capable of, of turning the game and going and getting you the winner? Like sure it can't be surprised to anyone. Johnny, I thought it was interesting earlier in the season when Jack Byrne was talking about his partnership with Danny Mandreo saying that you know Danny Mandreo was a goal scorer could score 30 goals a season which almost sounded as a Danny you need to play <laughs> in that more advanced role that's where you need to be leave this creative stuff getting on the ball to me yeah it, it, the narrative is so, so much dictated by you know the trivial nature of, of the results Nathan and that sounds daft but like if that game ended up one all you have a lot of Sean McCovers fans giving out about various aspects of tonight what are they giving out Leo- about um, well, the fact that they, they they should have they should have won the game for one thing, but you know Jack was taken off, you know, and and then you you still have this issue of trying to fit all these players in. Where Graham Burke is picking up the ball in very very deep positions, um, you know Richie Tao, like Dylan Dylan Watts not starting for me is I think he's such a talented player. It's, it's astounding that he can't get a run. Danny Mandroyo comes on was brilliant, sets up the goal, but you know basically Rovers should be winning that game, and if if they're eight points behind tomorrow. You know, Rovers fans will be given out, but they got the winner, and maybe it did paper over some of the issues. And it, it's a strange one. I, 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 I'm intrigued by the the way that they set up because they've so many, so many of similar enough type players. Um, and it's, it's, you know, they've they've had issues with their left wing backs. It was great to see Neil Perugia come on and Sean Cavan on the bench tonight. They've been desperately unlucky, but like the fact that Ronan Finn is still playing wing back at his age is a bit of a surprise. And I think defensively, they definitely don't look solid to me, or definitely don't look as solid as they did, Nathan. Michal, then, it was your first time seeing Shells. We've had a lot of Shells fans on this show over the last couple of months. Uh, at times concerned about the, the lack of creativity and the, the lack of goals, but at the same time, uh, I think since they made the change at goalkeeper last week, maybe a bit more confident about their ability to stay up. Uh, it, it doesn't look as though this is going to be, you know, Damien Duff at, Chelsea 2004 free-flowing counter-attacking football that they're going to get it's just going to be about survival yeah it, 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 I've seen them on LOI TV against Sligo and Sligo were, were, were really really poor um, and it, it looked it felt safer with Clarkey and goal I don't know if that's just a mental thing but um, tonight was um, as I say a half time you were like geez, thank god it's only 1-0 Um it was. It's not great to watch, but again, I wouldn't be judging them on kind of how to how they look against kind of the top four teams. They're just going to get in and sit in and do a job, and that was by the looks with the plan tonight to play off Dan Carr, who didn't have a great game. Um, you know, Farrell is obviously a Shells fan, and he's going to put in 110 percent every time. Um, but definitely, definitely, like we're tough. His announcement comes in and so well regarded and as a coach and like, geez, you, don't, you, you know, you might get top half, you might sneak in fifth or fourth, but then he makes all these changes, big overhaul of the squad, and you know, you can see that they are trying to play out, but 
I don't think the players are there in terms of that style of football for now. Uh, not yet, but like you can see the two goals, Johnny, the first goal, turning into trouble into midfield. Mm. Second goal. Second goal is going to be lauded for what a wonderful strike. But lost the ball though. It's yeah. So bad. Defense. It's the same it's Neil, such, that like um, it was the same. It was the same against the same against Pats the first day of the season where they essentially they coughed up goals because they gave the ball away. Um, I think on the positive side, I thought Aaron O'Driscoll had a very good game. I thought generally their back three were good. Um, they 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 worked very hard, and I thought when he made the change of putting Ledwidge left wing back, and he brought on. Um, Griffin to play left to cent- left centre of the three. I thought they were good after that, and actually yeah. they looked like they were causing problems. And I think in, I think in general Duffer will be happy enough because a point a point there tonight is good, but it's it's not the end of the world that they dropped a point. And I th- I think he he'll he'll be he'll be hoping to get Moylan back. I'm not sure what his story is, but they definitely are missing him. He was uh, he was warming up before the game. He was doing a fitness test, but uh, obviously um, failed that fitness test. But he was still doing shuttle runs. As um, as the team was going in, do you know that kind of way to get to get strips? Um, let's try. Let's get um get a, a kind of a, a reaction from Duffer now in relation to the reaction that Karen Shepherd <laughs> oh. got about Ledwidge. I, I Jordan McAniff has not impressed me at all, and I, he's had so many injuries. I don't know if he's struggling to get to the pace of the game or whatever, but he he was he had a poor poor game tonight. It looked like they all struggled with the pace tonight. It looked like, mm. it kind of looked like there's levels to this, lads. Do you know that kind of way? And it felt like uh, a top team. He should be better than that, Michal, do you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But even like small things like your body shape and like um, the rifle, his name escapes me, and their age is Wilson, is it? Yeah, um, yeah. Like just small things like his body shape, he's receiving the ball and he's facing Clarkey. Whereas just open your body up and, you know, it just felt like the pressure from Rovers was kind of telling. And, um, but yeah, you, you, I, I look, I think they're going to be saved in the fact that there's probably going to be two worse teams than them. Um, and they'll, they'll grind out results against, you know, Me. the Sligos and stuff like that. Me, oh, they'll, they'll definitely the other thing that'll save you. I'm telling you, there's there's definitely going to be reinforcements there during the summer. I, I have no yeah. doubt about it. Like like Duffer will go to the board and he'll say, "Listen, lads, you see what I've got to work with here. I'm doing the best that I can, but we need more in the final third." And I I, I expect him to pull one or two rabbits out of the hat there. To be honest, they'll yeah, be encouraged definitely. as well by the the people, the amount of people going to the games. It, it seems like the thing to do now on Friday nights to go to Talca. Stephen Kenny was there. Jim Crawford was there. Robert Watt was there. Jack Chambers was there. It seems Johnny like everyone Ward was there. there. I was working for RT, <laughs> to be fair. But uh, yeah, it, it, it seems like it's a bit of a thing to be uh, at Tolka Park. And they're getting great crowds. Brilliant apples for there tonight. Uh, Michal, great stuff. As always, for calling in. All right. So this is League of Ireland late night. It's Nathan Murphy, Johnny Ward, and Shane Keegan with you this evening. We want you to get involved. If it's your first time tuning in, wondering what the hell's happening, this is basically a phone-in show. We want your calls to get on air with us to talk to Johnny and Shane. Just click on the request button. It's down the bottom left-hand side. If you're at Talca Park tonight, if you're a Bulls fan, you thought maybe there was a bit of momentum building after the win against Sligo and you're 1-0 up at Drogheda with a couple of minutes left, it's not to be. We'd love to hear from some Bulls fans tonight and some Derry fans who have a big opportunity tomorrow night in that Northwest Derby uh, to reestablish that six-point lead at the top of the Premier League. We'd love to hear from you. You can also use the hashtag LOI late night, as Eamon Gallagher has, says, I thought Dervin did a 
decent job on Byrne in the first half. He was like a man marker, but that left a lot of room for the rest of the Rovers midfield. And Shane, I guess that's the difficulty opposing coaches have when you play Rovers and there are so many talented attacking players that Damien Duff obviously decided he wanted A. Durvin on Jack Byrne, but suddenly you're a man down and you're probably never going to fully stop Jack Byrne. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 partly the quality of the player and it's partly the quantity of the player. They're they're the best side around Nathan for creating overloads. They really, really are, and that shape lends itself to it, obviously. Um, when you've got two players who essentially have the freedom to go wherever the hell they want, um, they're constantly going to, to to make sure that they've got one body more than you in these different areas. And it is a big conundrum for opposition players, like our opposition managers. What what do you do? Do you match up with their shape? Like you know, it's very very hard to go to that shape if it's not the shape that you use regularly. Um, and even if you do match up with the shape, well then what? You're 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 asking each of your individual players to to go man for man almost. GA style and, and say right your Jack Byrne is your responsibility and you know Graham Burke is your responsibility like who, there's no player in the league wants to find themselves one on one with them so it, it is it's a real real dilemma I, I actually think to be honest with you I think the Shell's approach and that's why I threw it out there I think the Shell's approach of okay let's get 10 bodies behind the, the ball here like we heard our, our one of our callers there saying that Lee Grace was, was making overlapping runs from left side at centre half like that might have been what Shells wanted. I'd say there's a hell of a chance that's what Shells wanted. Come on forward, leave a little pocket of space. You can have it, you can have it. But I'll tell you what, when we turn it over, we're going to try and exploit those little pockets of space that you've left. Because um, you just can't, they're too good. You can't just go toe to toe with them. Like you need to bring something different. Just on Shamrock Rovers and the next level, and you know, as the weeks roll on, we'll start thinking about Europe and how far they can go in Europe. And they clearly have a huge amount of attacking talent in that squad already. But if a Cullen Whelan arrives, Shane, during the summer in time for Europe, and I know he's your boy, uh, <laughs> if he arrives, like, does he bring something different to Shamrock Rovers? Or like, is there an area you look at Rovers and think, yeah, there's somebody around the league that can improve them in that area? Yeah, look, I, I suppose the reason that I think Colm is is a good match for Shamrock Rovers is, right, if you take Colm and and Promise as, as two of the bright young centre-forwards in our league at the moment, right, they couldn't be more different in terms of their style of play. Colm Whelan is not actually a player who can create his own goals, really, if that makes sense. What he is, is he's a team player. You put him in a team that creates lots of chances and he is just absolutely deadly at finishing those chances. And that's why in that UCD game, they played great football last year. They created lots of chances and he hit the back of the net time and time again. Now he's struggling this year because it's a complete and utter flip. Now he's in a, a UCD team that are down the bottom, that aren't getting into the final third very often. To be honest with you, Promise Omicher is probably the centre forward that UCD need at the moment because now they need somebody who can just go and create something out of nothing. But on the flip side, you throw Promise into a Shamrock Rovers team and he's not what they need because he is an individual and Rovers is all about how they, they work as a team and they just need somebody in and around that 18-yard box who's able to find the back of the net and Colm showed that he was certainly the player who could do that last season so I, I do think he would be a brilliant fit for them Alright, if you want to get involved click on the request button down the bottom left hand side Keith Ryan is with us Evening Keith Evening Nathan, how are you? I'm alright so every time we have Bray Wanderers fans um, I start getting a little bit nervous because he uh, <laughs> go to town um, poor old Pat Devlin, who is uh, no doubt trying his best. Uh, try to How get through this tonight, without, Keith. Try go through this without going to town and Pat Devlin and tell us about the performance. 
Um, tonight's game, a bit of a snooze fest. Um, nil all draw. And uh, I know Keane said earlier on about the Dundalk Pats game that a nil all draw, as far as he was concerned, it was a good game. This was far from it. Um, there was no chances. There was no. There was one or two efforts on goal late on the game. Um, there was no creativity. And, you know, I've been banging on about Bray trying to get the ball down. Now, in fairness, they have in the last few games got the ball down, sent it to the park. And they've been crippled by injuries. Marty Waters started tonight and he went off injured. Uh, Connor Clifford's out injured at the moment. Hugh Douglas had a bad injury last week. So, in fairness, they haven't been able to get their team onto the pitch. But, and... They'll, the club will, or the management team will, will, will put it out there that they're five unbeaten. But some of those games have been nil all. Nil all. Wexford at home and Treaty at home now tonight. Um, so we've scored five goals. You can't win games if you don't put the ball in the net. And we're really, really struggling um, up front at the moment. Are you there, David? Uh, if, if, apologies, if, I mute. I muted no, myself you were there for a second. I mute myself. I apologize. <laughs> Once a night, it always happens. Johnny, you wanted to come in? Yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, for for Brave fans, I mean, the the last couple of home games have been absolute horror shows in terms of chances and just really, really poor. Um, and I I I guess as well, like Treaty, kind of uh, they're quite defensive themselves, but. I mean, I, I am worried about some of the games that have been played in the first division and Premier Division, particularly the first division. Yeah, if we're trying to get people to go to games, the Carlisle Grounds is basically an antiquated uh, ground as it is. And, there's you know, there have been issues there in terms of the takeover or whatever you want to call it, the merger. Um, but, like, it's hard to bring people to a crap ground on a cold night and they're served up rubbish. Like, it's, it's, it's not going to keep people going to games. What sort of crowd was there tonight, Keith? Um, I didn't get a figure on it, but it wasn't great. Like, Treaty bought, brought, um, I don't know, about 20, 30 fans. And then there was the usual crowd. I'd say about six, 700 at the game. Um, Atmosphere-wise, the Bray, the Bray fans, they got behind their team and, you know, creepy young lads or whatever on a Friday night. But, um, yeah, Johnny's right. Like, if, if you're being served up games like this, you're not going to bring the crowds in. You're hoping to push for the playoffs. And I know Bray are sitting in the playoffs at the moment, but the team behind them have three games in hand, Longford, um, and easily they could they could jump over them. And uh, it's worrying because, you know, I know last season the club are saying, oh, well, we had this number of points last season and we've similar this season, but you'd be hoping to be a little bit closer to the top teams, the, the Galways and the Corks, but... Um, it doesn't, it's it's not looking good at the moment and nil all draw is not very inspiring. Well, fans aren't stupid either, Keith. And while you might be in the last playoff place, fans understand how far away you are from whether it's Goa United, who might be first up, or even Waterford, who could then be the next game, or whatever team it is that you end up playing from the Premier Division. It's all very well being fifth in the league and getting a playoff place, but it doesn't mean you're any closer to actually getting promoted. Absolutely, absolutely. And... Um, you know, we we put it up to we put it up to Waterford down in Waterford, but ultimately we lost the game. And Galway came to the Carlisle, and they they got a three one win. So those are the teams that you're looking to aim to to catch. And um, but you don't want to be playing catch up at all during the season. And Bray are certainly playing catch up now. Um, the lack of goals, as I said, is a worry. Um, and we won't win games if we don't score goals. So. Um, and as Johnny said, you won't get the fans back in the ground if, if you don't win games. So uh, you don't get the fans in, you don't get behind the team. And then, uh, I, I don't know. And in fairness, and I said it already, um, we are without 
couple of crucial players. Connor Clifford and O'Shane, you said about Connor earlier on um, in the season. He's a fine player and he's probably Premier Division quality. And to get him back in the team is crucial. Yeah, there's there's very little. I'm, I'm looking at the table here, Nathan. Like, like you've got what is it? Four points here between fourth and seventh. So you're gonna. It looks like Athlone and, and Cove might do well to would do very well to get themselves into the picture. So you've probably got the top three nailed on in whatever order. So it's a battle there between those four teams for those two spots: Treaty, Bray, Longford, and Wexford. Um, and they're probably, you know, you'd look and you'd say, okay, there is likely to be very, very little between those sides. So I think that will go on all season long. But like you've said, Nathan, the problem then is, you know, let's let's take it. Let's say Cork do go on and win it. I mean, you're going to have extremely, extremely heavy favourites in those semi-finals. In that Galway and Watford, you would imagine, will be heavy, heavy odds on to beat whichever mm. two that they, that that they end up facing. But look on the flip side, those sides have have showed. I mean, Treaty bouncing back from the Cork uh, defeat. You know that was a bad night at the office for them, and they bounced back with two brilliant wins. Then on the back of that. Um, and they've all kind of shown that they can can deliver one-off performances against the, the bigger sides, you know? There's no perfect scenario here either, Johnny. In a way, like it is a good thing that Bray and Treaty and Longford and Wexford you know, are very close together and have something to play for rather than, you know, we could be eight games in and looking at Cork going and Waterford and thinking this league is done and, you know, seven teams have nothing to play for with three quarters of the season to go, whereas... You know, most of them actually do. Well, yeah, but at the same time, though, you, you shouldn't have a scenario where the majority of the teams in the division end up in the playoff to get promoted, as is the case, because, you know, you have nine teams. So, in There's fairness no way around to, that. Like, it's the, that's what I mean. Like, I know, there is. There is. Well, no, but you could have, like, this This completely disadvantages the better teams in the division, for one thing. So, like, oh, United finish a comfortable second last season, but get knocked out of the playoffs straight away. So, it, 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 in fairness, like, if you're finishing fifth of nine and you get promoted to the Premier Division, that's a bit mad. But, Nathan, in fairness... Like um, they, they're trying to bring in a third tier, so the teams that are are kind of maybe bottom of the you know a little bit below mid table, they should be trying to avoid relegation. Um, well, I want to ask in, you. I wanted to ask you both your opinion on that because listen, Irish football is such a basket case in so many ways that yes, a third tier means that you know Athlone and Cove can't just roll on to the end of the season. They know they're not going to be relegated. They try and regroup. They try and sign a few lads from Dublin again next year and see how they go. But if they're relegated, with the way Irish football is, you'd worry about the future of COVID at low. Well, you'd obviously um, you'd obviously cut your cloth very much then, and you'd become um, you know to get out of the third tier. Now, this is all very notional. The third tier would probably comprise B teams, um, new teams, and college teams, which you know isn't particularly attractive necessarily. But that might be where the FAI needs to go to get this off the ground. But I think the this sort of anachronism of re-election, which has long been a joke, really should should be gotten rid of. So such that that loan um, don't feel secure in finishing um, bottom. And if they did finish bottom, they stop buying players from loan and they start from scratch next season and try to get players in the locality to play for them or try to grow their underage. Because um, you know ultimately there's no point throwing money at the at the situation either if you're in the third tier. The other thing it would the other thing it would stop happening, Nathan, which trust me has gone on for a long time is. If you're halfway through the season and you don't think you have any hope of getting in the playoff, 
well, what you do is you just hold on to your budget for the following season rather than spending the rest of it in that season because so what if you finish last? Better as hold mm. the money and have it for the start of the new season and finish last than than spend it on a, a, a on the rest of our season when we know we're not going to win. We can't get into the playoff picture anyway. There has to be, to me, I agree. I think... I understand the problem with, you know, an Athlone or, or somebody like that going down. You would worry for them, but there has to be repercussions of finishing bottom of the table. Mm. There has to be. And I do. T- I think that would be a big plus of bringing in a third tier. I also think, even though Johnny says it, it maybe not be the most appealing thing, I do think that one or two more entities in a similar, similar guise to a UCD, I think would be a really, really good thing for football in the country because I do love the idea of, of football being married with, with education and I would love to see Carlo IT or, or UL or whoever it may be um, coming into the league in a, in a, in a third tier, making, making more opportunities than just the UCD model for people to do that. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think it's the way forward for football in the country is to get as many third level uh, education uh, clubs involved in the league. Uh, just on Treaty United, Shane, and uh, listen, you're obviously, you know, mm. as, as much as you can say, uh, the other side is that like Treaty have a lot to play for, obviously, and listen, I'm sure they're not giving up on uh, pushing into the top two between now and the end of the season, or maybe even try to go on a run. But you can have a team who, say, finishes fifth and actually you hit form at the right time and next thing next thing you find yourself in the Premier Division you're not quite ready for it and that that very nearly happened last year Nathan to be honest with you I mean it was an absolutely ridiculous scenario how um, like just it is a truly ridiculous situation that a team who got granted a license three days before the start of the season and very very went, went a long long way towards immediately finding themselves in the Premier Division the following season and that's, that is testament to the manager and the group of players that you got together there you could argue it shouldn't be happening <laughs> if, if, if for the rest of the league you have to ask questions as how they allowed something like that to happen um, I would still think I, I can't speak for the club but I would still think it's probably too, ar- too early in their, their, their um, trajectory probably, possibly even to go up if they, if they manage to go up this year but that ain't going to stop them trying they will absolutely put their best foot forward and, and see if they can create that headache for themselves um, and look as I say at the moment like they the the manner I, I'll be honest with you I was worried because they lost to Cork and they lost comprehensively now they lost comprehensively to the best team in the league but the problem for me was that you're looking and you're going oh that was a that was a poor night and oh sugar we have Waterford next and I was going, oh Lord, you know, Tommy's going to be up against it there now. He could be on the, on on. He could find back to back hidings. But the response has been brilliant, like absolutely brilliant. To beat Watford and then follow that up with another one, um, they're they're going to be right in the picture. I'd say they will be there thereabouts come come the end of it. I, I'd say they'll fancy their chances of another playoff. You know, the the, the last two season dates as well have been so so bizarre that you've got a situation where. Um, Shelburne two years ago completely and utterly imploded at the end of the season and there's no way in the world of God Longford should have been good enough to go to get up they got up and they were nowhere near good enough to stay up this season UCD got up because Watford became an absolute car crash at the end of the season fell apart completely UCD should not have been good enough to go up went up and UCD will get battered this season and they'll go down um, you know they'll be basically relegated very very early on I think so it's a strange situation that you have these two teams who should never have come up getting promoted because the Premier Division team totally imploded at the end of the season Am I the only one that misses Mark Bertram and Greg Halford? <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, <laughs> heard, heard a few stories, but uh, it was interesting times, all right. The same libel laws apply on this, apparently, I've been told by our legal advisor. That, that <laughs> shush, Johnny, shush, so. shush, Johnny, shush, Johnny. Say nothing. Uh, Keith, uh, listen, maybe maybe this is an old school master plan from Pat Devlin to uh, sneak in, finish fifth, win the playoffs, and Bray are back where they belong. Yeah, maybe it is. And ho- 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 hopefully it is. Hopefully it is. Just to touch on, uh, you say about um, the, the bottom teams not doing anything towards the end of the season. Teams can, and and Treaty showed it tonight. Uh, late on, uh, you could see their goalkeeper was quite. Um, he was quite content to just take the draw. And teams seemed to limp over the line. And not, I know Bray did last season. Bray just limped over the line into the playoffs, and that's not good for football. You know, you're going away to games, and yeah. But hopefully, a Bray are there at the end of the season. All right, Keith. Great stuff as always. Cheers, guys. Take care. Keith Ryan there, Bray Wanderer supporter. Uh, a quiet night on League of Ireland late oh. night. This is what happens when you don't have. The Derry and the Sligo Mafia calling in on a regular basis on their long... It's Bose fans I want to hear, Nathan. It's Bose fans. I mean, what what is going on at Bose? I mean, why are they conceding all these late goals? And they had a chance to kind of build on that Sligo win against the poor Sligo team of the night. And they concede so late and draw that. And I, I thought Bose fans, I know some of them were unhappy with things there. I thought they'd be coming in to, to moan and give out, but maybe not. I want you to be good for something, Johnny. If we think it's going to be a quiet night, if there's only a couple of games on, get Joey and Doe. Get him lined up. <laughs> get him on. And we'll be here all night. And we'll just be having a good time. <laughs> I think Jessica Ferry does a really, really good job managing that situation on the Sligo at home. But uh, yeah, maybe, we should, maybe we should just get Joey and Doe. All right, let's go to Dave Sheehan quickly before we wrap up. Dave, hey, how's things? How you doing, lads? Yeah, I was just saying, um, thinking the same as Johnny there. I was expecting to hear from... I don't think there's been any Bose fans on tonight. Is that right? No Bose fans at all. Yeah, um, drowning their sorrows. I'm surprised at that because I was at I was obviously doing the game tonight and and um, you know Draw had really snatched it. Like they, they we were saying on comms, like they didn't they really didn't deserve anything from the game. They didn't play very well, but they produced a little bit of magic at the end between Dylan Grimes and, and Dean Williams to, to stick it in. So, um, but Bohemians supporters would be fairly sick, and they say because they were they were the better team without. Without really cutting draw to open like too many times, I don't think Sam Long had a huge amount of great saves to make, but they were the better team. They they should have got the win. So, yeah, I was expecting to. Hear, I was listening in specifically to hear what the Bose fans were going to say, but unfortunately, yeah, not too many of them. I obviously wanted to, wanted to speak, but um, but yeah, they'll be disappointed with tonight. They were the better team without without being outstanding. Uh, they 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 did enough to win the game and just got caught at the end. So yeah, I'd say they'll be fairly sick. What about Drogheda? They played a lot of good football at times this season. They are. You know, scoring a few more goals than their rivals down the bottom. Is that what should see them safe? Uh, yeah, it's a bit like what someone said earlier on. And so far as you maybe you might think that, you know, there'll be a couple of teams worse than them. Like at the minute, you'd say UCD look like they're going to struggle. Um, but outside of that, I mean, they got a good draw against Finn Harps the other night. But I, I think it's going to be probably going to be a battle for them again, like it was last year, you know. Um, they made a lot of new signings, I think. Um, Keith Cowan was brilliant tonight. Sean Rowan was excellent as well. But Chances are Sean Rowan will probably go back to Lincoln in the summer. Um, they, he looks a proper player. Yeah, he? he looks really good. And like we, we always say about these these players, it's, it is a cliche, but he always looks like he's so much time in the ball. He was outstanding last week against St. Pat's. He was very good again tonight. They actually handled Promise Oma Cher really well. Uh, it was mostly Keith Cowan picking him up, but but Rowan picked him up a little bit as well. They dealt quite well with him, I thought. Um, 
but yeah, they they may, they they reckon that Sam Long, the keeper, will stay for the season, but that that Rowan might go back in the summer, so he'd be a loss if he goes. But yeah, look to, to answer your question, Nathan. I think they they probably will be in and, in and around the, the the bottom end of the table. But I I think it's early saying it, but I think Jordan might just have enough uh, quality to, to see them through. But it, it's going to be it's going to be um it's going to be interesting to see. It'll be tight enough for them, I'd imagine. But hopefully they'll they'll hang on in there. David, I, I haven't seen you at all um, yet this season. Tell me, I'm just looking through the team sheet here. here one um, one young fella that we had at Dundalk there that had a fantastic attitude, Andy Quinn. Yeah. How, how, was he, how was he getting on for you? He started the first couple of games of the season there, uh, Shane, and he had a bit of a rough start. He he gave away the ball uh, for the first goal against Shelburne the first day, and then he, got, he, he did something similar the second day against Rovers when they got the third goal on the break. And... He was kind of left out of the team for a while then, but I saw him being interviewed recently where he said, you know, Kevin put the arm around him and and kind of just said to him, look, keep 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 at it, you know. And because I spoke to Kevin before the season started, and and he was one guy that he picked out of all the players that had come in that he had really high hopes for. Um, mm-hmm. he was playing, he was playing fullback tonight, and he did he did he did pretty well. He's actually for a guy that's like tall and rangy, he covers the ground pretty quickly as you'd expect, but he's very good on the ball. Move, yeah. he, he, he's very good on the ball. He made some really good forward runs today and, you know, got a few good crosses in. So yeah, he had, he had a good game tonight and again, Kevin picked him out afterwards for special praise. And delighted and how- for Kev as well, Shane, because, you know, as you, as you know yourself, he's just a top, top lad and a lot of, there will be people who say he's in the shadow of Tim Clancy. He's not going to be able to make it as a manager. He's too nice and all of that and it's he's they've made a great start on it, Shane. Uh, he's he's bang on, yeah, and he's he's just so so hard working. So he is, but I'll tell you, he's he that's the, when you where he's pulled that Keith Cowan sign, signing yeah. out of. I, I <laughs> that was a mad one when I saw it happening. I was thinking, Jesus, that's a good like Keith Cowan is. Thirty six. I was going to say it must be in the second yeah. half. He's thirties by now. Like, and he was brilliant. Jesus. He was brilliant tonight. He went off injured towards the end, and and Kevin was was kind of a bit anxious afterwards. But I believe it's not going to be too serious. Hopefully, but he he was really good tonight. Like. You know, you know better than me, Shane. But he's he's in he's in serious nick for a lad. It's thirty six. Oh, um, so yeah, he is, he, but but yet but yet, David, on paper you're looking and you're going like with the best will in the world. So the boys, I'm mm. basing this purely on rage. You're looking and you're going Keith Cowan and Dan Massey yeah. up against Promise on a chair. You would think he should be running the legs off them, but he, it obviously didn't happen. They obviously had their structure right, and the two of them had good, must have had good games. Yeah, and and Bose did play a long, lot of long balls up to Promise on a chair, and and they were the sort of balls obviously the Keith Cowan will kind of will, will dine out on all night. Mm. Oh, he, won, he won a lot. Of, he won a lot of the aerial duels, and he had Gary Deegan then sweeping in front of him, picking up a lot of the breaking ball as well. So they did manage the situation quite well. But I, again, it'd be interesting to hear from a Bose supporter. I think Bose would be, would be fairly fairly sick and that they didn't see it out because um, they, they just got suckered at the end and Drogheda really hadn't looked like scoring all game. Um, so yeah, it's a disappointing one for them. But look, Drogheda will be delighted with it. Four games now without defeat, um, including those two draws away on the road in the last week or so. So yeah, positive for Drogheda and, and uh, it'll, it'll it'll keep them going for until into the next game, you know? Deegan Nathan still has Knight. a bit to offer as well, doesn't he? Who was that, sorry? Gary Deegan still has a bit to offer. Yeah, yeah, very good again tonight. Yeah, and and the only probably the only sort of player of his type in that squad. So if he's missing, you know, he, he's a big loss for them. Um, he was suspended a few times last year and, and they missed him badly. They don't have anyone really like that with Mark Hughes being out at the minute as well. Uh, he wasn't in the squad tonight, so they missed that kind of abrasive sort of... Uh, destructive player if you wanted to say that with Gary Deegan but yeah he's, he's been really good since he's come in and, and he's showing no sign of letting up that's for sure Nathan I had a I had a centre forward at uh, at Wexford Aidan Keenan Rocks Keenan we call him he was he was the Kevin Davies type centre forward if I'm to paint a picture <laughs> and, a big arse uh, 
Well, he, I'll tell you, he was an absolute man mountain. I swear to God, down in Ferry Carrick one night, himself and Keith Cowan both went 100% full-blooded for a challenge. There's been car crashes that have had less of a bang. I swear <laughs> to God, it lives with me still, so it does. He's, I, I've, I've had always had huge admiration for Keith Cowan for not pulling out that tackle. Yeah, he doesn't pull out of too many, I don't think. <laughs> Dave, thanks a lot for calling in as always. No bother. Uh, Johnny, you got off the 16, did you? I'm not off 16. I was, I'm, oh, I'm home about 40 minutes at this stage. Uh, did you talk to Duffer after the game? No, I, I didn't. There's a mutual respect there. There is. Uh, well, I had to rush back, obviously, for this, so it just wasn't an option. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible shame. A terrible shame. Uh, if you missed out on any of tonight's League of Ireland late night, we will put it up as a podcast. I think there might have been some issues with last week's podcast, but I can assure you there'll be no issues with this week's podcast, and we will have it up by lunchtime tomorrow. We will be back next week. It's a fairly frantic April in the League of Ireland. There's games Friday night. There's games Monday night, uh, but we will be back. Good Friday, Johnny Ward, abstaining on Good Friday. So he'll be here at 10 o'clock next Friday. Won't you, Johnny? abstinence and all that yeah oh absolutely yeah sorry yeah absolutely. I, was, I, was, I was i was lost there yeah sorry that's yeah. fine that's fine uh johnny thank you as always <laughs> thanks nathan shane great stuff cheers nathan coach keegan on top form as always uh that is it from league of ireland late night we're with you every single friday night uh tell your friends tell them to call in uh, the more the merrier every friday night at 10 o'clock on twitter spaces here on off the ball 